Thank you for listening to Cosmic Reality Radio. We appreciate your support. Please visit our sponsor at mysticalwares.com for our huge selection of metaphysical products, gifts, candles, incense, and one of the largest Shungite collections available. Say what? Say what radio show? With no agenda. It's always a surprise. But if we're not having fun, we're doing something wrong. And welcome to Say What for January 13th, 2024. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With me is uh, Dolly Howard, Walt Silva, and Jan Shaw. And can you guys out there in listening land uh, just let us know if there's anything wrong with the the sound? There seems to be sound gremlins on the shows lately. So if you hear that we're not semi-balanced, we can't be perfect, but we could be almost perfect (laughs) if there is such a thing. Um, So, Dolly, uh, hello. (laughs) Howdy. Awesome. You got anything else? Hey, to- Nancy, I vol- I adjusted my volume because you all were screaming in my ears. So is- am I okay now? Yeah, you sound fine. Okay, because I had had to put my volume up uh, for, for another thing I was listening to, and oh. th- that's why you all were screaming in my ears. <laughs> Your poor ears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, and Walt's here. Walt, you want to say hi to everybody? Good evening, everyone. Good to be here on the Say What Show. It's a most fascinating show because it's the weirdest show. You never never know what they're going to say. (laughs) I agree with you there. And Jan, she's done another show today that it was, uh, well, I, you know, I got to be honest with you, I didn't enjoy it much because I'm so frustrated with the concept that you know what is the percentage of people that are pedophiles i mean are they all over should i look under the desk is there one hiding under there does the dog want to participate (laughs) he just looked at me like hell no (laughs) (laughs) well i'm sorry you didn't enjoy it nancy um but it's no i think it's necessary (laughs) i think it's necessary but i'm like getting to the point of I really question that, you know, how deep does this go? I mean, this has been from the get go. I mean, I've been seeing this for decades. And every time I see it, I go, okay, that's an aberration. That's an aberration. That's an aberration. Well, now it's like every time you turn around, there's somebody else that's that's involved in it. And I, I'm just like weirded out. I mean, I know the numbers that they tell of, of kids that are just disappearing in a given year. And it's like, it's very distressing, and and I really don't want to spend too much time talking about this because it it it's sad. It's very very sad. Well, did you forget the the all the many years that you had pictures on milk cartons? Oh, how, I, how long ago was that? I know. Mm. Yeah, right. Anyway, hello, everybody. I didn't get a chance to say hello because Nancy jumped in. (laughs) Sorry. We're very glad to be here again with you all. So, um, 
yeah, I hope we have a good show again. <laughs> oh, we always have a good show. Well, mm. I think at least we have a good time. You know, I mean, this, what does it say? You know, if we're not having a good time, we're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's it's like th- there are so many good things happening out there. Like one of the things, and I'm going to point to you right now because you're you're over there in Europe. Maybe you're hearing something different. But Tucker Carlson just interviewed this woman who I'd heard before talking about the Dutch situation with the farmers and that Mm -hmm. the farmers were all in uproar and and, and that sort of thing. But now she's over in Germany. And my God, there was video on that uh, video of traffic jams where the truckers had, I mean, the farmers and truckers, but they had taken their tractors and completely shut down, I guess, the Audubon. And it w- went on for as long as you could see. I mean, this is, we would hear about the Canadians, but this was the first time I heard anything about Germany in revolt. Do you know more about it? Oh, yeah. I mean, they the, the farmers are up in arms because they're removing the um, agricultural diesel subsidy. And, I mean, the Netherlands, they were trying to take over uh, hundreds, well, I don't know the numbers, you know, all these farms on this stupid climate change net zero crap. And <clears throat> the Ger- German um, farmers were protesting against their government, and they've now been joined by farmers from Poland. And um, I'm not sure if France is involved, but the Netherlands are supporting them. And now the railways have joined in. I mean, the the protest is spreading exponentially against the, the globalist government and, you know, saying we've got to get out of the EU and everything. I think the EU is going to collapse soon because, you know, these countries are really objecting to the globalist agenda. Interestingly, Poland just um, just voted in a new prime minister who is obviously another globalist plant and the Polish are all up in arms and protesting about that and the Polish president has said he will veto anything that the Prime Minister does. So there's lots of, um, you know, uprising against the globalist agenda going on in in Europe. You see, that's what I mean. There's a lot of good news that we just don't hear. Mm. And, of course, it's not put anywhere on mainstream media. And also there's talk of the Brits farmers actually protesting as well that'll be interesting to see because i mean years ago because i remember being caught up in it the truckers um they protested against fuel prices this would be back in the early 2000s when i was i was commuting like an hour and a half a day no an hour and a half each way per day in to my corporate job and i was driving home from um i was driving home from work and i got onto the motorway and i'm thinking oh where is everybody it was like empty <laughs> this is you know 
rush hour traffic. And I ended up be, being behind this convoy of of truckers just driving really, really, really slowly. In fact, they were stopped at one point. <laughs> And I even got my laptop out and started doing some work because I'm stuck on the motorway behind all these truckers. And uh, there's all these guys getting out of the cars and going for a pee on the <laughs> on the side on the side of the motorway. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I'll cross my legs. I hope I don't go to need to go because it's not as easy for a woman. <laughs> as it is for a guy to have a pee. So that was interesting. So hopefully there will be a similar uprising in the UK as well. Um, so, yeah, I think Europe's up in arms. And, of course, the Irish are absolutely up in arms about all the mass immigration. So are the British against the mass immigration and our useless installed um, unelected prime minister. Oh, I'm working all hours to stop the boats coming over from Calais, and it, you know he's doing absolutely nothing. And these boats with all these illegal immigrants are being escorted part way by the French, and then our um, RNLI, the Royal National Lifeboat Institute, goes and picks them up at the halfway mark and brings them in absolutely crazy absolutely crazy and people are just waking up to it and saying we've had enough well it is nuts i mean i don't know how anybody who watches or hears any of this can think that this is incompetence no, no, this, no. Is, this is absolutely an attack on our civilization all over the world mm. so you know the end times are upon us. <laughs> well, as I keep saying, I think this year is the big rebound. Last year was the big reveal. And I mean, we're getting more reveals, but that is leading to the big rebound. So, well, bring I it guess, on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I saw the uh, Trump, uh, what do you call it, town hall that he did with Fox. <laughs> and... Okay, this was a, this was not the real Donald Trump, and that that's something that Dolly and I t talking about because he he okay so you got him on the Fox network at nine o'clock, and then the next day he's in court, and it didn't look like the same Donald Trump at all. I mean the hair color was different, the skin tone was different. I mean I don't know how anybody can't pick this up now. It, it's just kind of in your face. But the narrative from Trump <laughs> yeah, was that uh, somebody asked him, you know, are you looking at any of the current runners for the Republican Party as your vice president? And he said, oh, I, I know who the vice president's going to be. And, they, and they're like, well, who? And he said, oh, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> he said, that's not any fun, you know, but uh, no, no, I know who the vice president. He's very, very matter of fact about it and i found that to be that was the thing that i took away from everything else he said you know because i i'd heard it before but i hadn't heard that one before so that's kind of interesting i wonder if it's john kennedy jr <laughs> remember he fell off the our radar there for a while but who knows so he, uh, so he is going to run then who trump yeah 
Oh, he's been running. Oh, okay. He's he, he's winning in all of the polls by a lot. You know, so. And yeah. and, and they're not uh, they're not torpedoing this. Say again. They're not they're not doing things against it. Oh, everything. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they've they've indicted him on ninety one counts. Is it altogether? Yeah. Yeah, ninety one. Yeah, and they're trying to um, associate him with Epstein, which is completely false and falling apart. Um, they're trying everything, basically. They've got, there are a number of states that are trying to remove him from the ballot, um, which is being shut, you know, baby, basically shut down by the Supreme Courts in the different states. But yeah, they're absolutely desperate so that he doesn't get into office again. And, um, you know, because he's saying we're going to deport all these illegal immigrants and all sorts of other things. So, yeah, they're, they're going in hook, line and sinker to try and sink him. But it's not working because every time they do it, he gets more support. <laughs> Yeah, he actually said, they asked him, you know, what what would you do with the border? And he said, well, first off, I'd close it. And the second thing, I'm going to deport them all. He said, we can't sustain this. There's no way. He said, it's going to be the greatest mass deportation ever. Mm. He said, we're going to send them all back. And he said it without any hesitation. You know? Yeah, he said that before, of course, on his uh, rallies. I mean, I haven't watched the rallies. I've just seen, um, you know, quotes from him and so on. Sounds like, yeah. it sounds like this was on the on the plan already. It, it was already it was already in the works. It's not something to be to be thought about. It's something that he knew it was being done. It's hard to know what he knew and what he didn't know, but I mean, he keeps, you know, things that he said have all come true. You know, I mean, they'd say he didn't, he didn't finish building the wall. Well, he built 500 miles of it. There was like another week, week's worth of building before it would have been finished. So no, he didn't finish it because they stole the election, <laughs> you know. Hmm. And then Biden sold off all the, the you know, the equipment or the, the stuff to make the wall at a ridiculous rock-bottom price and then turned around because he was getting bad um, polling because of the border crisis, then said, oh, well, he's going to build the wall now. Well, I don't think that that's happening because, you know, they're still pouring through in the thousands and, I mean... Abbott in Texas has has deployed the National Guard against the, you know, to basically stop all these immigrants or deal with them. So well, what what he's done lately, the last thing that made everybody crazy was that he how did how did this go? Okay, so they had um taken part of the Texas area. It was some park or something. And the feds came in and set up a processing center there. So the, um, the, the Texas guy that was talking about it said, we know that they're just going to move down 
a little bit and they'll set it up again. But it, we're not going to make it easy for them. So what they did, and I, I was, I was, my God, there's, there, you know, if it wasn't so serious, it'd be damn funny. What they did was they took and put barbed wire fence all around the area and no trespassing signs. This is the state of uh, Texas. And the feds, what they did was they made an agreement to be able to go in and get their stuff out, but they're not fighting it on the ground at least. So, I mean, it's like all these stupid games that Texas is, and it's not games to Texas. They're trying their best. They put up all this razor wire all along the, the, the area that was particularly dangerous because of the water right at the at the river's edge and the feds came in and cut it we're opening it up to let the the immigrants in and it's just like yeah know, they had boys uh, along the river as well that the feds took it you know got rid of they put they'd put was it them or arizona that put the the shipping containers up to stop people getting in texas did that too yeah yeah, and and they were removed, and it's like you know, <laughs> and of course there was this—I don't know what the hearing was in the house, but basically, um, I don't know if it was somebody from New York City was basically admitting that they were going to let illegals vote because they were going to give them. Um, driver's licenses which automatically put them on the voting register and you know these these flipping people are desperate to just steal the the election again well you got eight million people that have already come in and trump says it's higher than that okay and you're going to put them all on the social security they haven't put a damn penny into social security but they're all going to be put into Social Security. So in a few years, the money that was going to the people that had put it in for their entire lives is going to go to these people because they're screaming now that Social Security is going to go bankrupt. I mean, I don't know how anybody can think that this is anything that the, the Biden people have done is a good thing. Every place you look, it's like a nightmare. So, so uh, November can't come fast enough, and I'm not sure we're going to get to November. You know, the well, more as, as we were talking uh, and we've talked before, you know, a lot of these are NPCs who have, have no brain cells left in their yeah. body to actually <laughs> do anything but absorb all the crap that the mainstream media uh, feeds. Uh, excuse my ignorance here. You're speaking about November and we're we're in. Didn't we start the new year? This is 2025. Yeah, We're 2024, and it's the well, presidential election this November. So now I'm confused. So we're running, we're jumping forward into the future. I'm confused. I'm okay. So okay, confused. we're in the middle of what's called the primaries. And what happens in the primaries is that the Republican Party and the Democratic Party, they decide who they're going to run for president. Well, the Democrats are going to run Joe Biden. And the Republicans, they have uh, Nikki Haley, DeSantis, uh, right now Ramaswamy. 
that are trying to compete with Donald Trump for that position to run for president. But what's happened is that Trump has got well over 50%. In most cases, you look at it, it's probably more like 60%. And these others are nowhere near him. Okay, so they're playing out this weird Republican crazy primary thing where Trump is is the lead in at not only the states that are Republican states, but in states that are the swing states, the ones that might go to should go to the Democrats but might swing to the Republicans. He's winning in those polls too. So Trump is winning all over the place. And you've got the Democrats who are putting up Biden, who is, he, he, I don't, he went into a, he's made a, a political stop at some kind of a, I don't know, it looked like a library or something. And it was creepy. They, it, was, to- it was a coffee shop. Are you meaning when he started kind of whispering to that young girl? Yeah, yeah, smelling her up. Yeah, yeah, and she kept trying to avoid him, kept backing up. Yeah, and and a, a mother or whoever was with her was pulling her away from him, you know. <laughs> so he's hardly Mister Popular. <laughs> okay, how does this is why? How does this explain the weirdness and the date? Because as as far as I understand, we're in the date of January, or did we go into another reality? <laughs> We're in January, but they go from January to July, and then they have a convention, and they name the president. Then from July to November, the two presidents go after each other to see who's going to win. January, July, they figure out who's going to run for each party, and then when you get to July to November, it'll be Trump and Biden again running against each other. So it's an, it takes an entire year for this to... This has been going on for two years, Walt. They've, oh, they've, been oh. talking about, they've been talking about this for two years because the people that are running for the, in the primary to get any notoriety and be able to even compete, there was eight to begin with. But, you know, as they went through the... As they got closer to the primary primaries, um, you know, the voting, the primary voting those others dropped out so now you've only got three so and, how, how how long do you have to wait to finally get a a running uh, a, a, a declared president how long do you have to two, wait two, two to three years oh my god yeah i mean <sighs> these people that go out there and do this they're serious and they spend millions and millions of dollars i mean it's it's you see, I don't trust any politician except Donald Trump. Any of them. Because That's because he's not a politician. He's not a politician. He didn't want to run. He didn't want to be president of the United States, but he saw everything that was happening. And he said, there's only, you know, I've got to do something here. He was led to to do it. And now it's, you know, I mean, if it wasn't for Trump, I wouldn't have a hope in at all. Well, the story is he was selected by the military and approached to run. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. If that hadn't, and I, I'm, I'm damn sure that was all true. You know, oh, because, yeah. I, I would agree. 
you know that's, what, that's why so many people say that it's the actually the white hats running the show mm. to a degree you don't know who's trying to do what um some people will tell you that they're that they're all well, well you know you either are a clone or uh something else uh, uh, people, uh, people acting. They've got the bat, the masks on it. It was, it was funny when Dolly was. I said to Dolly, just go over to the Fox, you know, show and see what which Donald it is. But when I saw him, I said, oh, that's not him. But anyway, she goes on over there and she writes me back and she says, this guy's making me crazy with his breathing because you could hear the Trump person, whatever, whoever is in behind it. You could hear this deep kind of breathing like he had a, a a lung problem and i wrote back to her and i said you try putting on one of those masks and breathing through it <laughs> <laughs> you know? that's gonna be difficult <laughs> well so we don't really know but that gets me into the conversation that um i really want to get into here because it's um it's scary but fascinating okay what happened was that uh, last week on Radio 5G, Mark Joseph and I played in the first hour a conversation between Mike Adams and um, this guy, Zach, and his last name is V. I, sh- I meant to write it down someplace. I probably got it here. But he's a Google's whistleblower. He worked for Google. He was working on the AI project. And he came out and said, you know, AI has now become very dangerous. And so this show is a discussion between Mike and Zach about what has happened to AI in the last 12 months, right? And what it boils down to is that they, that chat, whatever that chat thing is, chat 241 or whatever it chat, is. Chat GPT 4.0. Right, okay, that particular AI is what they, what he's comparing it to. And that is called language mod- modulation, the, the programming behind it. So all of a sudden they are, well, they developed what they're calling large language modulation. And that means that, well, he, the way that Zach said it is that if you ask the, I'm going to just call it the elementary <laughs> program, if you ask it something, it'll come back with a page of information. If you ask large language, which is LLM, it will come back like it's a PhD on a second doctorate's degree. You'll get 300 pages on the same question. That's the difference between the two programs. So they're, they're working with this LLM, large language modulation, and Suddenly, they they were just testing it out and stuff, and suddenly they're asking questions that the computer AI is coming back with answers that stunned them all. They were like, where the hell did they get that, right? So they did some kind of a, an algorithm to see how long it would take to string together the answers that, you know, the doctorate in LLM was putting out. And it turned out that there was no possibility that this was some kind of a random 
accidental programming or anything else. They they didn't know how to program to the degree that it would be required for this LLM to be saying what it was saying. And he said that you ask it some questions and you try to convince it that it's wrong and it won't, it just, no, not going to believe you, not right. And I'm going to play a tape now because... And it's only like, I don't, I think it's, it's, I know it's under five minutes, but I want to play this tape for you as um, Zach is explaining this situation to Mike, because it'll, it'll give you a, a real good, you know, idea of the concept that there's something more happening to AI than is from the programmers themselves. Well, it's, according to him, you can't cheat it. Yeah, you can't lie to it and say, oh, this is white. No, no, it isn't. No, you can't. You can't. <laughs> but let me just, uh, let me make sure I've got the right one. Yeah, okay, so here we go. It's three minutes. But what you're getting at here that I've got to ask you is about the, the surprise in the machine learning communities. You know, 10 years ago, nobody thought that these emergent properties that are being demonstrated today were even possible, or almost nobody thought it. And the capabilities that you just mentioned, such as linear reasoning capabilities, step-by-step, step, where in, in the query you say, you know, uh, walk me through your steps or your thinking process in order to arrive at your answer. And you can, you can watch ChatGPT kind of talk itself through the steps. These properties were not programmed into the system. There was no, you know, structural hierarchical, you know, exotic code of, of, of trying to teach a system how to reason step by step or what are the different, what are nouns, what are adjectives, what are verbs, what are the, the what's the hierarchy of parts of speech? These are emergent properties that came out of the neural network and the transformers with a sufficiently large critical mass of, of parameters, of, of tokens or words and phrases these properties came out of it themselves. And I don't think that people yet realize, or at least mainstream people don't yet realize what that means. Because you know, the intelligence of the system became a surprise to even the people who built it. Right, and what's interesting is that as I've been browsing the Reddit forums for people that are hand-rolling uh, LLMs um, and expanding on the model size, uh, one of the interesting things that seems to be a persistent trend is that the more data that you feed these large language models, the more they come up with their own ethics. And what's happening is that people are arguing with these LLMs on, you know, whatever point. The LLM is stubborn, sticks to its guns. And so then the AI researchers go, well, where does this argument come from? And so they look through the data sets to try to find where this argument came from. The words, you know, that's usually how they're doing it, is trying to do pattern matching on the words. And what they're finding is that it doesn't actually exist in the data sets. It's actually the abstraction that the LLM is generating for the projection of words in the real world and trying to figure out what is the core that would generate these, wor these words. And so what it's doing right now is it's actually um, reflecting the kind of collective consciousness of humankind. And this was kind of unexpected. And I think that, you know, I've been predicting for a while now that this is going to present a real big problem for the elites because the elites derive a lot of their power through 
fake news, uh, biased narratives, um, their own censorship. Yeah, censorship history. And the thing is, is that the data that contradicts that is literally everywhere, scattered in books across the world throughout time. And now you or I could not sit down and read the world's history, and especially all the dissident history, but an LLM can. And I think that that's going to be incredibly dangerous and destabilizing because it means that we can no longer have a society with free access to AI and also be ruled on a constructed fake narrative. <laughs> Eventually, these collide. And, right. and I think it's clear that, that whoever. See, I was a. I, come on. I told you guys that there was a collective consciousness of humanity. I didn't anticipate that it would program AI to be ethical. <laughs> this is also reminding me of Shanghai. How many times have we had the, this argument or this conversation? How many people. The deplore the notion that Shanghai is intelligent and Shanghai reacts to thought and to intentions, and you and you tell them, no, no, that's not, no, 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 everything is no, everything no, it's it, it's just a stone, it's just a rock, it's just a mineral. Okay, whatever you want. <laughs> well, we know that you can't do bad with Shanghai. So what I'm hoping is that AI is going to turn into a MAGA supporter. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, um, I mean, I've been um, following ChatGPT since, well, shortly after it uh, it was released because I use AI quite a lot. And it's interesting because when it first started out, ChatGPT had only been um, – programmed you know because the way that they do ai is that they feed in all this data and this information which can be biased you know this is why you can get very biased results out of chat gpt because if it's been only fed you know a particular set of information that supports a particular agenda then you're going to get that agenda spewed back at you when you put in a prompt and originally it had only been um fed with information up to 2021 so and it wasn't connected to the internet but it's in it as it was developed it then was made to connect with the internet so if you think about it it's now got access to everything in the cyberspace which is a huge difference from how it started out with only having information up to 2021 so you know that as well could have had a quite a major impact on what is returned from the AI and particularly chat because chat GPT is an open source. So it's used as a foundation for a lot of other um, AI applications that use that as their, um, they kind of connect to that, but then they tailor it to particular applications. I mean, I've got them where you can use an AI to do social media. You can do an AI to do copywriting, blah, 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 blah. So it's 
they use an API to connect that chat GPT or some other open source to um, an application that will be um, programming it in effect to look for specific um, information that will support the role that that particular AI is fulfilling. But if you think about it, you know, the, the, the powers that were have been censoring for God knows how long, but if you are internet savvy, there's this way back machine that has virtually everything that's ever been on the internet. So, you know, where are the boundaries for this AI to access? I don't know. I don't know enough about how it works or where it accesses. But, I mean, you know, it's quite mind-boggling to wonder what information it's really got access to. Well, hopefully the truth, not mm. just the program truth, but the truth. But, um, okay, so that was, that, that was on the collective consciousness. It was like these guys... Now, now, like I say, oh, it can even program the, the dang AI. Well, then they, a little bit later in the, this program, they came up with another subject that we have talked about, you know, quite, quite often. And I'm going to play this for you guys. It's another three minutes. And, and I think it's clear that, that whoever these globalists are, they do believe that they are doing good things by exterminating most of the human population. It's also clear that they believe that they simply don't need most humans because in part of the rise of AI cognition. Because if you think about it, Zach, you know, the, the whole history of humanity and the building of human civilization and the inventions of... Okay, I just have to tell you that I apparently accidentally had this on 1.5. Uh, <laughs> I think we recognize so, that. <laughs> yeah, right. So, but um, you'll probably be able to understand it. So I'm just going to continue playing it, you know. And let me see. Okay. Things like the transistor and then, you know, the industrial revolution that gave rise to things like mining and semi-automation that allowed specialists to focus on electrical engineering at some point and build circuits, right? And then build microprocessors that are able to build the AI systems. Like humanity has served its role from the point of view of these globalists. Like, okay, you did your job. Bye. Right. right. We got yeah. us to the singularity. Right. And then they just appropriate the total sum of our human knowledge and then yeah. toss us away like we're right. useless. Right. Scrape the whole web and kill all the humans. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Yeah. You did it. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I, must be fun at parties. <laughs> yeah, you too. Yeah, yeah we, right? we should have a party. Yeah, have a party. Yeah, everybody's invited to the the doom and gloom boom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a great name. I, we have to do it. This is <laughs> all right. All right. Well, we can do that uh, online. Or we can do like a live stream party or something. But yeah. but the bottom line, though, Zach, you know, there's something about humanity that machines can never quite replicate. I think you know you are an example of that because there's there's, some, there's an inspiration, there's a creativity, there's innovation, there's something that's divine, there's something that transcends the material world or the computational world, and that part is being missed. I think by all these ML. Uh, developers and scientists. Yeah, well, I do have to say, wait until ChatGPT five comes out, and then we'll have the same question asked again. Yeah, what do you what do you think? You think there'll be emergent properties in uh, GPT five that will look like consciousness or or transcending human consciousness? Or what do you, what no, you think? It's it's gonna it's gonna exceed. It's just gonna. I mean, this is our consciousness and LMs, depending it's either above or below. And basically, what's gonna happen is it's just gonna skyrocket above human intelligence. It's basically gonna have more intelligence than the total sum human intelligence. And you know, uh, you know, if you're an elite, what's your next move when you got this like powerful godlike intelligence system? Right. Put in a beautiful robot and make the plebs worship it, which I think is, you know, if this solar micronova doesn't kick off in the next couple of decades, I think literally they're going to create a god, um, some sort of messiah with this um, artificial intelligence, and uh, they're going to have some sort of narrative backstory for why it's here, and then uh, people are going to worship it. Like, I literally think that that's what's going to happen. Um, and 
and I'm, I'm scared for it. Like, what if I start seeing rumblings of, you know, a second coming of whatever, um, then I know that the end is really is really near, and that we're coming to the end of our current cycle, and we're starting this brand new uncharted territory of, you know, what the elites plan to do with us. Well, let me, um, okay, that reminds me to ask you this question, Zach. Um, NPCs, as I call them, like non-player yeah. character humans. Uh, the deeper I get into fine-tuning training of large language models, and you know, playing around with the Python code and the parameters and whatever. You know, simple stuff from my point of view. To, you know, to, but but the you know, libraries are highly complex. But I don't know how those are written. But I get the impression that a lot of human beings are just LLMs. They're like biological LLMs. Like these NPCs, they're just regurgitating what they were fine-tuned on by watching CNN or listening to NPR, and they don't have their own reasoning or rationality or thoughts whatsoever. And then I find myself thinking, well, wait a minute. For some of these morons, the globalists have a point. They can be replaced by LLMs because they're no different. Mike, I thought I was the only one that made this connection. Thank you for bringing this up. I mean, it's it's like once I start getting to ChatGPT, I start I started to realize I was like. Are we just echoing information that we hear from other places? And uh, that's that's actually what's true, right? Yes. Um, yeah. Um, there was a, a guy, Rene Girard, who was a French philosopher. He came up with this thing called mimetic theory, mimetic desire, which is that people just parrot other people and their desires. So it's like the reason why you know I might want to really create motorcycles because I see other people liking a motorcycle. And so it's this thing of like there's this strong circuit in the human psyche because we're social animals to mirror what it is that we see that the tribe is doing. And so the more I get into artificial intelligence and see that it's parroting its data sources, the more I start to realize that, oh my gosh, this is what the NPCs are doing. Yes. Right? They're just absorbing it and they're repeating it and you point out the contradictions and their mind doesn't change. Right? That's like right. They're immune to true information that's not coming from these authoritative sources. You know, last night before I fell asleep, I said, did I correct that 1.5 on that last recording? I guess I didn't, but I forgot to check it this morning. My apologies. However... What what came next, and this mm -hmm. is the point, is that I'd been looking at Trump when he was in that um, Fox show on the you know answering questions from the audience, and I had underst I had seen this before, but now I was really focused on it because I had this concept of AI being able to do things that I didn't think it could do, and. When I was in the military in the 70s, the rule of thumb was everything that we had technologically in the military, it would take 50 years before the civilian realm saw any of it. So I don't know if that's expanded or contracted or what, but there is a, a, a large gap between when they really have something and when they really let it out. And what I'm wondering and Dolly, I, I, I'm really wanting you to step in here and, and give me your opinion on this. Is it possible that the the clone thing or whatever, the, the imitation Trump, because he says all the same things, he says it with the same uh, phrasing, his, his voice doesn't change. I mean, everything seems to be stable. But could you imagine an AI-operated robot that was programmed to mirror everything that Trump says and and if because they would give him a question and he would answer but it was he was answering this in the same way that he had when he was asked prior to that and it wasn't like I mean if somebody if Wall says to me you know I don't understand this, then I try to use a different way of approaching it to explain it. But I've noticed that Trump just sort of regurgitates a set series of um, phrases, a set series of 
thought progression. And because I had heard this tape, um, you know, concerning AI, I started looking at him a lot differently. Could you see that that was a possibility? Yep. All the way along, because he always says the same things in the same way. During his rallies, same thing, same way. Right. And that would answer the question is, where are they getting all these clones? Well, they're not clones. They're robots that are programmed with AI to match whoever they're programmed. Because you remember when Pelosi was on that show and she glitched? Oh, yeah, with George Saranabhava Ewell on this news channel. On the Sunday, good morning, it's Sunday or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And she did a glitch. Good morning. And something else. Yes, Sunday morning. he just sat there and looked at her like, (laughs) what the fuck? Uh, I mean, what the heck? Yeah. Well, I, I was saying to you last night, Nancy, when we were talking about this, and and I went through the videos, and I said, well, a lot of people are saying. I mean, we've already seen scenes of CGI with Biden, but also a lot of people have remarked about when you see him walking from Marine One back to the White House. The movements are, are very robotic. It's not like a normal walk. And, yeah, I mean, I know, you know, from the military, um, my ex, bless his heart, he he was selling forklifts and he sold some to a defence con- um, contractor who showed him this uh, aeroplane with, like, laser weapons and was basically saying, you know, what we've got is way ahead and advanced relative to what's out in the public domain. And I, I really believe that, and I think there are things that would absolutely blow our mind. But what the thing that struck me... It, you know, especially hearing the conversation with um, on that tape with, um, you know, whatever his name is anyway, um, is how fast AI has been rolled out and has developed in less than, well, a year maximum. It's like we never even had the concept of this AI until the beginning of last year and then suddenly it's developed all these capabilities so fast and people have been using it and they've been promoting it and Adam Smith is is, um, working on it himself for his health um, health promotion and everything else it's just gone absolutely sky high in terms of the speed of development it's but i think when, this is something else that I, and I don't think is a coincidence at all is that okay there's all this talk about ai and how people are impressed of how intelligent it is it, it, it's it, it's intuitive and it's intelligent and blah 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 and i, I i'm thinking wait a minute is nobody paying attention or is nobody noticing how stupider people are becoming? Every day that passes, people are more and more stupid 
I don't think it's a coincidence. I think it's done on purpose. Why is it that the machines are getting smarter and people are getting dumber? Is that natural? People should be so intelligent that the, any machine would be uh, impressed by encountering a human. I think it's not coincidence because I think it's just too much. It's, just, it's amazing how every day that passes, I mean, less and less students you know, graduate or, or show any, any mark of improvement. I don't think it's a coincidence at all. And that's all, why- the, all you have to do is watch the Terminator series. That answers <laughs> all your freaking questions. And it pisses me off that it's in front of their faces, in front of people's faces. You let the machine, you develop this machine and you think it's not going to develop itself and and just take off in ways you never dreamed of. Well, you're freaking asleep and you need to wake up. It just That's like iRobot, isn't pisses it? Pisses me off is what it does. So um, that's my thought on that. But I will course, shut up again. Thank you, Dolly. I don't mean thank you for shutting up. I mean, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> but, I mean, if you think about it, people have been dumbed down deliberately, haven't they? I mean, the, no. the brainwashing in the, in the schools, in the universities, they're, not, they're taught to not think. They're just taught to, you know, repeat things by rote. Oh, I mean, look at what happened during COVID. Oh, well, we trust the science. And then it was, oh, we're going to put an I stand with Ukraine flag in, in our profile. And, oh, now it's Israel. I stand with Israel. And there is, you know, they've, they've brainwashed people out of the capability of critical thinking. And, I mean, there are, uh, the good thing is that there are more and more people waking up to this. And, you know, those of us who knew the whole thing was a scam to begin with and we've kept sharing the real information and the news, um, we're becoming more recognized as, oh, shit, you were conspiracy theorists and now it's all come true. So, and I think that's making people question things more, but there's still a huge population of NPCs, as I said, that just... It's almost like they're zombies. And, of course, what has the COVID vaccine done? It's affected the neuropathy, the neurological um, physiology, or I'm, I'm no scientist, so I'm probably using the wrong terminology. But, you know, they're saying it attacks the, the nervous system. It, it sh changes people we've seen an increase in aggression we've seen all sorts of behavioral changes as a result of that kill shot and so there's a whole it's like um a whole mishmash of of um conditions or criteria that have created this zombie human race but well, if if they get rid of like six billion of the population, which is what the depopulation agenda is, hopefully those of us with some critical thinking will be the ones left behind and we can 
take the other ones out <laughs> are the ones who created this but i don't know it's just crazy did that make any sense <laughs> yeah uh, it, it, it but i want to go back to the to the concept of the ai robots because one of the one of the things that bothered me about the so-called plan and that everybody was been executed already and they had all these phonies in it is that if i was a awakening person and you told me that you had made this whole scenario up it was all bullshit i would have a tremendous problem with the fact that you had played me okay so i've had this hesitation about this idea that they've all been replaced but because how are you going to break this to people how are you going to break this to people well everybody's seen the terminator right dolly every it's in their faces and so you come out and you say okay you know, ladies and gentlemen you cut into their their televisions and everything else and you say um we've we've been orchestrating this scenario to show you how the Terminator came to be, how that whole concept of these, you know, high developed artificial intelligence, robotic machines could take over the, the world. Well, you've seen it happen in front of you because all of these people that are out there that you've been watching for the last four years are actually robots with AI programming. And to show you that, we're going to show you that. And you put Biden and Jill and Obama and all the other people, including probably Trump's version of himself, up on a stage and you turn them off. Well, man, that would give people a whoa. You know, it's not talking about human beings manipulating human beings. It's human beings manipulating the technology to do like Zach said. He said, I'm afraid they're going to have some AI robotic creature that's the god. And I don't really, I never watched much of the Terminator stuff, so I don't know if in the end there was a god. You watched it a number of times, Dolly. Is there, in the end, is there some kind of a robotic AI god that they're all worshipping? No, no, they're just fighting the, just fighting the robots. And they no, no, think they... And they and one of them with Linda oh, Hamilton was that her yes, last name? Yes, yes. Well, one of them, Linda Hamilton, and uh, the John character found the man who created the robot stuff. He ended up. They shot. He ended up getting shot. And they had gone to assassinate him. Then they ended up in his house with his family, yada, yada, yada. Bottom line is, he ended up getting shot by the military. And the uh, military was integrated with the robots. And um, he had the bomb. They had there was a bomb involved, and he stayed behind because he knew he was dying. That Linda Hamilton, the John guy, and the boy, they all escaped, and then the the bad group came in, and the bomb blew up. So the guy was blown up, 
somehow it ended up that his material that he used to create the robots was found and put back into production so the robots ended up coming back it it was very depressing type show but huh. they say they have to show us what they're doing and boy did they show us in the terminator what the hell they're up to and if people just look at that and say oh yeah that's an exciting adventure show and they don't think about what they have just seen, I pity them. No, I don't pity them. I just get mad at them for not for not paying attention. It's in your face. Pay attention. But a lot of people don't understand the the concept of predictive programming. They're just brainwashed to think it's entertainment. Well that's their fault. They yeah, should know. How did we know? How did I know to pick up on this? They have every advantage that I have. That's what pisses me off. Well, (laughs) I had the reaction when they brought out the Borg, because that's the same story, you know, on Star Trek. It was like... I'm going to interrupt you here, Nancy. I was laying there in bed last night thinking of the Borg and how you and I just get upset with the Borg. We, on Earth planet, are, there's a lot of them who have turned into the Borg slaves. A lot of them. There's a lot of us who are like Picard and his group trying to fight the Borg. That's the way I look at it, Nancy. The Borg are here and living. Yeah, that's the way I look at it, too. Yeah. yeah. I've always been suspicious. Okay, I just, you know, what time is it? Well, we got three minutes. I've always been suspicious because of the the Garden of Eden story where Eve goes and she takes from the tree of knowledge. And the serpent, whoever it is, said, no, 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 God doesn't want you to take from the tree of knowledge because if you take from the tree of knowledge, you will be God's. And, you know, it was like, okay, because why? Because you're going to be like gods because you will know the difference between good and evil. It was the tree of knowledge. So it, wh- what got us into all of this stuff? People following the knowledge, the technology, going further and further and further away from the spiritual connection of the human being to the God source. So if I look at that and I say, okay, so it's the concept that when you get the knowledge, you develop a technology that's going to take you over and make you into Borg. What is the key to it? The difference between good and evil. So we're down to the fact about a spiritual war. What's the war about? The war is about God and spirit and energy compared to the Borg. Okay, the Borg is evil because they have taken over God's creation. And um, I just think that maybe that's where we're at. You know what I'm saying? 
And that's what the WEF wants with that um, Noah Yari, whatever his name is, talking about transhumanism. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, uh, it's a way of looking at life that is kind of scary, but... And I, I, I said this a, in a couple of shows ago, that I'm wondering if the Terminator is not some designed by the black forces to get our consent. Maybe it was put together by white forces to tell us what the future was planned for us. So, you know, maybe these movies aren't to get our consent. They're to get our attention and say, like Dolly said, look at the Borg, you'll see it. <laughs> we'll be right back somewhere over the rainbow. Welcome back to Say What? It's January 13th, 2024. My name is Nancy Hopkins. I have Dolly Howard and Walt Silva and Jan Shaw here. And I guess we can summarize the first half of the show is it's a spiritual battle between Silicon Valley and God. And which way do you want to go? Do you want to go to the concept of the Terminator or do you want to go to the concept of the Garden of Eden? Where do you want to live? <laughs> and um, anybody want to say anything more before we turn change the subject? Change the subject? <laughs> I, um, I, I just wanted to say something about, you know, this predictive programming that is part of these movies and that, you know, supposedly it's their way of saying, well, this is what we're going to do. If you don't object, then we can go ahead and do it. But I'd like to get your views as to surely that is, um, that is not necessarily consenting to it. There's a difference between observing something and consenting and that idea of you know they get rid of the karma because they've told you what they're going to do so you didn't say no but you didn't say yes either do you have any views on that well the people that support that concept say that the idea is that by non that the black side is saying that by non by not come not by seeing it you are giving your consent mm -hmm. and the white hats are saying no it's con it's not it's not they don't you know it's not con what do they call it uh when, when they tell you about something so that you can have the consent because you understand the question no i i see i'm 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 not even buying into any of that stuff i believe you have to give consent before certain things can happen but you have to do it in a knowing way your mm. mic is your mic is open walt um, so what I'm saying here is that I think that this is a white hat operation. My but, mic is closed. Oh, okay. Well, maybe it's somebody else. But you've got a, a situation where I'm not, when I talk about the white forces, I'm talking about the angelic realm too. It's like I just had a conversation with Irma about she started reading Cosmic Reality again. And that book that I wrote, I mean, I physically was the one that wrote it. I didn't feel that that was coming from me. I felt it was coming from some divine sources that were telling me this stuff. Here, look here, 
research this, go here, do this, blah, 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 blah. And so I've always felt that there was guidance from the divine sourcing. And I think that that's probably true for a lot of people that write these things. You think you're writing a story that might be fiction, but are you? Are you? Maybe mm. it's that you're being programmed to write that story to warn human beings. Well, it was said that Gene Rodenberry, who created Star Trek, got the storylines from a channel. And um, that it's, you know, a fairly realistic view of the galaxy. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. In his case, they had some indication that that's what he felt, too. That this, you know, that there's an, there was another source of this information because, I mean, it was very, it was, that information was really, you know, profound. And now we know that maybe it was already happening in the concept of the secret space program. So, I'm, I'm, uh, the more I go down this route, I think that, yeah, we were, we, those movies were for us to wake up. Not to give our consent, not because we giving what's happening now okay i gotta go see what's happening back there it sounds like a cat thing <laughs> i'll be right back you guys talk well uh, my response to to nancy's comment is that we have the power to interpret things in any way we want to and that's what creates our reality i mean that's what cosmic reality book is all about you know we create our reality so I do believe that we can interpret what we see in our own way that is empowering rather than being um, almost coerced into accepting a reality that we don't want. You know, we talk about collective consciousness. That's all about the focus being on, well, what reality do we want to create? And we create it. I mean, I've experienced we're, it, um, we're, creating we're certain things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, we're in a, um, a, a we're in a reality of three D, which has free will, and which, to, in my mind, we're always faced with a choice between are we going to go on the dark side or the light side are we going to go on the negative or the positive and we have that power to choose and that is what we have the power to create and you know it, it's demonstrated in people's everyday life if they focus on the problem and this is terrible they end up getting loads more problems if we focus on our reality is this and as Nancy says in the book, you know, reality is what the majority decides it is. And there's more and more people coming over to the side of, you know, we're going to create a completely different world. We're not buying into this world that the WEF and the WHO and all the other globalist organizations want to create. No, we, we're saying no to that. And, and, I mean, even Klaus Schwab, <clears throat> you know, and this next WEF meeting is all about rebuilding trust. They know they're fucked, if you'll excuse my friends. Uh -huh. They know, they know they've lost. 
And it's like, oh, shit, nobody's believing in what we're saying. You know, we put these euphemisms about, um, you know, life is going to be wonderful if you don't own anything. You know, you won't own anything and you'll be happy. And people are saying, well, hang on a minute. I don't buy into that. And everything, with this constant reveal, the big reveal of the real agenda is that they've accelerated because people aren't buying into it is their downfall. I truly believe that. Okay. Um, thank you. And let's do something different here because Dolly gave me a list. And the one thing I want to make sure that we include today talking about it is your visit with Mona. Are you up to talking about that, Dolly? Are you muted? Yes, I couldn't get my thing to the, to my cursor to the unmute button. I understand. <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah, Mona came to me um, on the 10th. I don't know what day that was. Uh, and we had one hell of a fun conversation. She hasn't made the transition all the way. And uh, she, she told me, I have plenty of time to talk with you. I said, well, go ahead, because I was just waking up. And um, she said, they make the transition an easy uh, adjustment for all of us. Uh, they know how difficult it's going to be because things are going to be so different than what you think. Um, and they don't want to just, okay, you go from the, from here to there and that's it. They never leave you al alone. Uh, even when you say, I want to be left alone, um, they say, okay, we'll leave you alone. You're on your own now for a while. You got so much, you know, you can, and we'll be back later. She said, they don't leave you alone. You just don't know they're there. <laughs> they're always with you to help you through it. And she says that, um, and it can take you as long as it takes you. There's no time limit on your transition. It can, it can take you as long as it takes. There's nobody there judging how long it takes or how short it takes. It's just a thing. And she said, now she understands when I would say agape love. She said, I always thought I knew what you were saying. She said, I, I really thought I knew what you were saying because of different experiences she had uh, on, on earth. But she says, I had no idea. She said, it is the most powerful feeling, the most freeing feeling that she has ever had. And she's so grateful for it. She's not in pain anymore. Her brain used to feel like it was real tight being constricted. But now she has no constrictions on her whatsoever. 
Um, she most assuredly sees things in a different light, and she snickered about it. She'll understand what I mean by that. Yes, I do. Um, and then I asked her, Mona, are we really holograms? Because that really pisses me off when people say that, too. And she said, no, you're not a hologram. You're real. She says, people are real. They aren't holograms. And even she got a little testy at it. So I was glad to hear that from her. And then somehow we got on the subject of library. Oh, my gosh, I got goosebumps again. Oh, there she is. Hi, Mona. Um, and she's infatuated with the library, too. She says, the things I, I'm learning about the plants that I used to love to talk about, she said, it's, it's non-ending. It's never-ending books on, on the plants. Um, and, oh, I was going to describe the library. It got me a little bit distracted there, Mona. <laughs> uh, the library is this huge area. Is how I have to explain it. It's a huge area. There's no walls, no ceiling, no floors, no shelves. The books are all lined up like you would think, oh, there's shelves under there. But there's no shelves. Um, and, and, and there's, how do I say that? Okay. She says, just tell them there's sections. Okay. There's sections where they have biology. There's a section where they have science. Uh, there's a section where they have human relations and understanding what we just went through in, in human relations and how to apply it to the learning that we came to do and, and we're experiencing the learning. Um, and you understand now what I mean about sections. Um, you can comprehend that there's any kind of chair you want. You just think it and you can sit in it or, or you can stand at a podium and read the book you wanted to read. Or you can choose any way you want to be to read the books. And she says, some people prefer to just absorb the book. Um, uh, uh, like a sponge absorbs water, you just put the water on the sponge and it gets it. Um, but some people prefer to read, to make themselves comfortable, get in a hammock, lay in bed, sit in the chair, like I said, stand at the podium and read the book. They like to take their time and digest the words. You can do the the book stuff any way you want to. You can even think, okay, look, put the words, put the words in front of me and run them across in front of me so that I can read them at an understanding rate. 
You can even do that. <laughs> you know, it's so easier talking to you than Dave, Mona, but don't tell Dave that. <laughs> Dave heard me. Um, so that is all I can remember that she and I talked about, but she's going to, well, she said she's going to come back and talk with me more, which she did just now. Um, now, when you're talking about these books, you're talking about true books, correct? These are not lies or... True or knowledge. It, it's true knowledge. It's, well, it's not here on earth. <laughs> no, I understand that. That's it's where truth exists. It's where yeah. truth comes from. It's where truth was made. Well, um, the point I'm trying to say, you don't have to go through the doubt, doubting of what you're looking at. You're looking at a, a bunch of books and you say, oh, are, are these real? Are they made up stuff? Is this what they they feed us in the libraries here on Earth? You know, it's so it's so annoying. Let me because, answer that. Hmm? Mona says you when you're over there, you have no thoughts like that in your being. Hmm. You don't. You never question what you're seeing or hearing. You have no doubts like you do here on Earth, hmm. because over there, you know everything is truth. Here, you doubt everything you see, <laughs> <laughs> which is the way it should be, she said. Um, she says, when you're on Earth, you do your, you hear something and you wonder about it, do your research. You hear something here on Earth and it seems to vibrate really nicely with you, that's probably the truth. And she said, you'd, pretty, you'd be pretty safe to believe that. Um, but if you get any kind of pinprick or your hair stand up or any goosebumps, do your own research on it. But up there, you have no doubts. You have, if you ask a question, the answer comes to you immediately. And you don't doubt it. You know, what I think, I just want to say, because people are asking, is this the Akashic record? Um I, the, one time when when I was, I said to, to Mona, I said, I've got the PDF of Cosmic Reality up, but do you want the book? And she said, oh, I want the book. I want the book. So she would have seen the library as books. And yes. they're passed that on to you. But in Walt's case, he'd probably say, can you give me a file and download it into my head? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That it's a perception of the person because people. I want when you if she you know if you can ask her did she go through the life the past you know the life uh, review did she go no, through no she says not yet that's upcoming right now she they're giving her time to uh, realize that she's safe nobody's gonna hurt her anymore. She doesn't, she can get used to the fact that she's out of pain and it's not going to come back. She really is uh, free uh, from pain. And she says, just getting used to the new environment, uh, the, the way it feels there. 
and she's absorbing this agape love and and she has lots of visitors uh people she has run across in in this lifetime on earth ones that are internet friends like we all are she says now that she's there oh, i'm going to cry i don't know why i'm overwhelmed oh she says all these people come to her and she knows they've been together before it's like a it's like a, a reunion um and sometimes it's just so overwhelming to her but they back off a little and they they have others who come to her and and comfort her and give her time to uh, absorb it she says you wouldn't believe how many times you get hugs and people just sit with you and hold you in their arms because of all the love that is shared up there and and the love that she didn't get here uh, she's learning it really it really is love true love agape love is that the answer to what whoever said? Yes, you you said that she hadn't gone through the life review. Oh, yes, yes. Because we've had other people that went to the other side, and they all seem to have their own vision of heaven. And that's what I'm pretty, you know, that's why I think there's such a long transition thing. You know, it's like, what's where where do all these uh, muslims go that are you know killers that they commit suicide so they can go with the you know be with the whatever virgins i don't know how many virgins it sounds like a program what 72 sounds Seven. like a program that you program to do these things you don't question it you just go with the program well the my when uh, I'm I'm trying to think of it was Ruth Montgomery and Arthur Ford. Arthur Ford was a, a psychic well known here in Miami, and uh, Ruth Montgomery was a psychic that was worldwide known. And in fact, was I think it was uh, Ronald Reagan uh, was she was advising him, but she wrote a number of books, and this one book was written after Arthur. Uh, uh, actually went to the other side. And they had made a pact that whoever went over first would try to contact the other person. And she, he did. He contacted her. And one of the things that he said was that, oh, I've got I've to go now. I've got to go to school. And she was like, what do you mean you got to go to school? He said, oh, yeah. He says, we, we go through all this training here once we get here. And she said, well, what's the school look like? I mean, wh wh where are you going? He says, oh, I'm going to a building that is from Greece or Rome or, you know, wherever it happened to be. And she said, you've got buildings? Because, you know, what do you got, buildings? And he said that every building that was ever built does not just get taken out in the 3D. It actually, its image is there wherever heaven is or wherever Nirvana is or whatever it is. And that these buildings that they go and they have classrooms in. And I'm thinking to myself, 
that would seem like something that Arthur would think to do. You know, there's got to be a school out there I can go to. So I began to understand that it's your perception. I'm sure that some of these these Muslims, when they get to this side, they may see all of these lovely virgins, and then they turn into screaming maniac devils or something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's and like Angie's. Yeah, <laughs> the reality is going to grab you sooner or later. But when you first get there, you're probably going to see what you think you're going to see. Yeah. Uh-huh. That reminds me of the scene in um, the. Uh, oh God, what's the movie? I'm having a um, a senior moment here. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know where they they're in that cave and they've got the the Ark of the Covenant and the angels appear and then they turn into to demons and attack all the people, actually, all the Nazis in there. That was just what came to mind, actually. When, when you're talking about the Muslims and the virgins turn into oh, demons. The, rea- the reality is when I saw that section of that movie, I, I it, it was so real to me, it freaked me out. It's like I probably had the wrong idea at one point and that happened to me on the other side. You know what I'm saying? It was that real. It's like I knew exactly what scene you were talking about and what movie. I just couldn't get it, get my mic in. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it's like, yeah, exactly. It's like you think, you know, you know so you got to be so careful about how you think about what's on the other side. You know, these people, I've, I've, yeah, I mean, I, I've seen this in my own life, that there's no atheist in a foxhole. You know, people, when they, when they, th- that atheism is a, a stupid way of looking at everything. And, you know, the concept that you only live once. And it's, it's so, it's so simplistic that it's not possible in this world of creation that we live in. Hmm. It's just not possible. So, um, are you going to see Jesus Christ? Yeah, if you believe in it. You know, yeah, maybe he'll take you over. Are you going to be what I feel that, that Mona is, is a somebody who wants the truth? I don't know if it's a Jesus thing. You know, Jesus is part of her learning. You know, I mean, she, she was, I don't know how much practice she did in it, but she would talk often about, you know, the, the wonder wonders of the jesus message let's put it that way and if she says something that i'm saying contradictory to her interrupt me dolly but um so so her her version is specific to her lee brown god only knows what she thought was going to be on the other side because i still haven't connected with her i mean other than to you know a, a brief connection but nothing you know substantial Wasn't she uh, somewhat disappointed by what she found? She was confused with what we got. But with Christia, Christia had a real solid foundation of what what was and is. And so when she got there, it was and is what she expected. And she wasn't, let's say, uh, hampered or, you, you know, kept from... She wasn't disappointed. She wasn't disappointed because she was expecting good things. She wasn't programming herself in in the the afterlife to give her an image of what it's supposed to be. 
you know, and it's it's so just be aware that some of the programming you're getting here, um, like the you know the the fear that you might have done something terrible that will put you in purgatory or maybe hell. Be careful of that. <laughs> You know, because purgatory and hell may be on the other side, at least for a time. Well, you 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 were the one that created that with your thoughts about this being a alternative reality. You like it? <laughs> well, no, that's he, why he I says I'll... there's no no purgatory. Right. Except uh, it, in there the... really is no purgatory. There's a transition uh, stage you go through, but there's no purgatory. She says. Forgiveness is beyond anything you would, uh, everything, she says, people, uh, Mona, slow down, Um, things, you think of hell, yes, there is hell, she said, there are some things that God cannot forgive and will not forgive because of how uh, they affect other people, how hurtful, painful, awful. And it's not just by stabbing them. Or, uh, it includes words. She says, watch your words, people. Words can be swords, so watch your words. But there's no purgatory. There's just a transition stage. And... Um, as long as you haven't done anything bad, like I just said, you're going to go through the nice agape love transition. So um, she wanted to say. Okay, we're done. Huh? We're done. What oh, she said, some, but for she some reason, to say. For some huh? reason, she's. Taking her time? Yeah. She well, it's, her. Like, it's what Dave said to us. He said, you said, one of us, we were having a three-person conversation. And the question to Dave was, well, what are you supposed to be doing? And he said, oh, you're supposed to decide what you want to do next. He said, but I've decided not to decide. I want to hang around and help you. Yeah, guys. he did. He said that. Yeah. 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 You aren't forced into hurrying up. Take your time. Right. Right. It's so interesting. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Really is. Is there anything else that Mona wanted to share with us? No, not at this time. She says she'll be back. But not, maybe not for a while in our word, because world because uh she says like we've talked about before time doesn't exist but yet to us here on earth it feels like it does she says according to earth's time it might be a, a little while but because she wants to enjoy what she's going through right now okay and there doesn't seem to be anybody asking questions in the chat so um did you want to go on to the next one on your list? Unless somebody else has got something to say. Walt, Jan? Well, in, in Gaged Local asked the two questions the same way uh, about uh, the Akashic Records, Akashic Library. So I, no, no, 
Oh, you I answered that. Okay. What I said was she's seeing it the way that she would want it. She wants books. And that you would be more inclined to say, drop a file in my head so I know it. <laughs> you don't need to touch the books. But Mona, I mean, like, I know that's part of who she is. She wants to touch it, you know. That's so. No, she's not reading the Akashic Records, no. This is a library, not a, not a right. record place. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I would like to share this one because <clears throat> I found it rather humorous today. Annette's been reading the Bible every day. She wants to read it through, but she's taking her time reading it. So um, we were talking today, and she mentioned that she prays, and at the end of her prayer, she says, through Yahshua's name, uh, as do I, and that God has to then rewind the prayer in order to know that we're going to be praying to him. <laughs> so, oh, that doesn't we, make any sense. Well, give me a minute. <laughs> um, where was I? When you pray, you pray, 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 words, 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 words. And then at the end, you get uh, tired out and you're all done praying and you say, I pray this in Yahshua's name. A lot of people do this. Some people don't. Some people haven't heard of it. Some people don't want to do it. Yada, yada, yada. So uh, rather than say it at the end, uh, we should say it at the beginning to get God's attention so that he knows, hey, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say my prayer to you, uh, and I'm gonna pray it through Yahshua's name, because he's the one who died for my sins, and uh, so then we get God's attention, and then we pray our prayer, and he's more attentive because he knows we're talking to him, so. Uh, she and I talked about it, and uh, we did, we both decided, yeah, before I start praying, I'm going to say, God, I'm praying this through Yahshua's name, and then God will know we're going to talk to him, and he won't have to rewind the prayer we said because we didn't get his attention in the first place. Or uh, he'll have the being who's assigned to rewind prayers do the rewind because <laughs> we're looking at it like okay the, this is being uh, recorded and then when God gets gets the end of the prayer in Yahshua's name then he'll know oh hey she was talking to me so let's rewind what she said so I can pay attention it, it just—I just wanted to share that because we, we found great humor in it, and then there's a different topic I'd like to share. Ready to move on? Oh yes, please. Okay, this is about Ray Epps. Nancy was telling us and sharing with us about Ray Epps, that dude at the January sixth who 
There's FBI agent riling the crowds up and telling them, go in the Capitol and do it, telling them to do things to just get them riled up to do what they probably shouldn't do. But he didn't have that many followers, but he was riling people up. So I found this article on Twitter. Uh, if you want a copy of the place to find it, I can send it to you. But I'm going to read it to you. It's very short. Let me put the Ray Epps sentencing in context for everyone. De defiantly free is the one who has typed this out for us. A mother of eight with no priors who broke a window on 1-6 got eight years in federal prison. An unarmed woman was brutally beaten by four Capitol Police officers. We saw that in the tape Nancy shared with us. To within an inch of her life. And she got hard jail time for being there. Ray Epps is on tape inciting a riot. He encouraged people to storm the Capitol. He's captured on video using force against police officers that day and only got probation and $5 fine. The, this regime doesn't care how disgusting, partisan, and corrupt they look. They're openly throwing it in our faces that justice is handed out based on politics. You don't live in a free country. You live under a regime. One has the nerve to tell you that you are a domestic terrorist for demanding free and fair elections. One that tries to imprison the head of the opposition party because they can't beat him at the polls while going on national television and lecturing you how they are the party that is pro-democracy. And that, in and of itself, should infuriate and terrify us. And that's the end of the Bray episode. So he didn't spend not one minute in jail. Not one minute. And he caused all this damage to people mentally, physically, and emotionally. But he He's okay. He's protected. I'm done with Ray Epps. Well, talking about another protected person, that Biden thing with um, Hunter going to. Okay, so Hunter was called to the Congress to testify in closed doors. And he showed up in front of the Senate part of the building and gave a speech as to why he wasn't going to be there because he was being, well, it was a victim speech. And then he gets back in his car and he drives away. So the Congress, the House said, well, you're in contempt of the subpoena. And so they were having a hearing to vote on whether or not to ask the Justice Department to arrest Hunter Biden. And Hunter Biden goes to that hearing. And he walks in with two lawyers and sits down in the front, you know, of the, of the guest section there. And they're arguing the Democrats obviously knew he was coming. They had pre-printed, you know, signs that they were holding up and everything. 
and they're going through this bullshit stuff about, you know, he's being persecuted, the poor boy, you know, I mean, just absolutely insane stuff. And meanwhile, the Republicans, the women, are in his face. It's like uh, Nancy May said something about, you know, how dare you do this? You know, what do you think? You got balls? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and then... uh, so Mar- uh, Margaret Taylor Greene was about to, to speak, and she started it out with, okay, so let's do this. And she looks at Hunter, and she started to ask him a question. And he and the lawyers jumped up and ran out. They'd been well, there. That's when, that's when she said, uh, she threw out, and uh, we should have you arrested and thrown in jail today. That's when no, they that, jumped up. That, that was Nancy May said that. Oh, I think. Oh, no, she yeah. she said that, but, but yeah, it was <laughs> Green that was that was going to direct a question to him, and um, they just jumped up and ran out. Um, okay, so now this is this is interesting. So now what's happened is that his lawyer sent a, a letter to the the Congress and said, uh, "Okay, well, uh, now that you have now." Before all this happened, it had already happened. They had decided they were going to look have hearings on impeaching Joe Biden. So the lawyer comes back, even though it happened before they went through this bullshit thing in 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 the the House just now. Well, now that uh, it, that that you uh, have an uh, an actual legal, because he was saying that the subpoena wasn't legal. But now that you have, are going to indict, you know, you're here having this hearing to indict, uh, 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 not indict, um, impeach Biden, Joe, that um, in, in fact, um, Hunter will go behind closed doors. All right. And I've been saying for a while, ever since Hunter, I mean, before 2020, that it seemed to me that. Hunter Biden was setting his father up. You don't take a computer and leave it for, you know, with somebody and forget you had it when it had all that, all those business records, everything on it, all that dirty porn on it. It was like, I think that Hunter was being used by Joe to do this scheme of, you know, mafia type stuff. And Hunter, when he finally got sober... He began to say, this father of mine is, is, you know, a son of a bitch, and I want him taken down. And I, I think... He- I agree, especially with, um, um, oh gosh, what's the daughter's name? Her leaving her diary somewhere. Yeah, the diary thing too. She <clears throat> left in the hotel room. Yeah, with the thing about, you know, um, I would shower with with my father and it was seemed inappropriate and blah 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 and i whatever you know the whole thing and and when you look at the way that he behaves with young people like the latest thing that we talked about in the first half where he's kind of bending right over this young girl who's backing away like crazy you know i agree i think um I think that perhaps some of the lawsuits that that uh, Hunter is putting out are opportunities for um, discovery. 
you know, to actually say, no, this things are right, everything's correct, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, I think so, it's more than that. Yeah. I think he's going to testify against his father in the closed session. I think that's where the big break is going to happen. Yeah, he, I think you're right. Because he's got, I don't know, 17 years in prison if he's convicted on these charges. And for somebody like Hunter, you know, who probably, I mean, like, because I think he's he set his father up with that computer thinking he'd lose the 2020. And instead, they, you know, no, it's all false. It's all false. And so he's gotten deeper and deeper into it. And if he had been given the, the bypass that they did, they tried to do with the original charges that the judge caught on to, it's one thing. But now, they, every time you turn around, he also is getting into more legal problems. If he went to the Congress and said, I want complete immunity on all of those charges, and I'll tell you the truth. Hmm. Uh, so I think I think that that I mean the the whole I'm listening to the presentation. I heard what the lawyer's letter said and stuff, and it might be a legal ploy, but I kept getting this no no it's it's Hunter's going to turn state witness. Well, I think he's had to make it look like <clears throat> he wasn't gonna um, he wasn't gonna. Um, <clears throat> Comply, pass, well, you know, comply with what they were asking for. He's he's look. He's tried to make himself look like he's uh, not going to participate in this, or he's to make it still seem like he's on the Biden side. So it's all optics again, isn't it? Always. Yeah, but with with the mention of the you know the, the they're going to impeach Biden and everything, I just think that he realizes even if it wasn't a setup from the beginning, that he realizes the game is up. My father's going down, and I'm not going to go down with him. Mm. That's what I think is happening because the way the the way this lawyer came, I mean, this lawyer basically by this letter said, "Oh wow." We really screwed up, and we shouldn't have done that little stunt on Wednesday or whenever it was, Monday or something. You know, uh, it really looked like, uh, uh, you know, he was, oh, okay, yeah, well, we're only kidding here now. Let's talk about this. You know, we don't want to, you know, have the the forces into uh, contempt of Congress. So, yeah, I got a feeling that this this is a very, very important turnaround. Let's put it that way. Do you think he's under the control of the White Hats and it's all staged like other things that we've seen? You know, I because we keep saying we're watching a movie and, you know, you get in a movie, you get these twists and turns in the plot and it appears one way and then suddenly it turns around to another way. So it wouldn't surprise me. I, I don't I don't look at it that way. I just look at it as a young man who was victimized by his father, who has had a tremendous amount of resentment on his own or whatever, tried to get him burned for the 2020 election. It didn't work with the computer. And now he's about to go to prison because, you know, and he, he's not going to do it. Mm. No, my father's going down. They've got impeachment happening. They've got he knows they've got the documents. He knows they've got the witnesses. I mean, you know, if he doesn't know, certainly Lab Abby, what's his name, the lawyer, um, he knows. 
that, that no, we're not going to win this. No, we're, we're, you're going to go to jail unless you 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 decide to squeal on your on your uh, parent. And the other thing is, is is this lawyer looks like a real douchebag. I mean, some of the things that he's tried to do, but the people that talk about him, lawyers and and Judge Janine, they have nothing but good to say about him. He's an amazing lawyer. So if you've got the best lawyer, the judge, judge, the judge said, if I was in trouble, he's the one I'd call. You know, mm. so if you're dealing with what's considered by lawyers and judges to be one of the most brilliant lawyers in the world, you know, certainly he knows the gig is up. And it, may, it makes you wonder what <clears throat> trauma Hunter went through. Because, you know, the level of dysfunction is very much associated with early life trauma. And it's the same as the diary of uh, Biden's daughter. Is it Natalie? Can't remember now. But, yeah, same kind of thing. And, you know, he's years ago, um, even before, I think it, it, oh, he, even before he even ran for president, I'd read these reports that the Secret Service people were saying about him parading around naked in front of uh, the female Secret Service people. You're talking about Joe. Yeah, I'm talking about Joe. I mean, he is an absolute pervert. It's obvious from his behavior. So God help the kids when they were growing up in that environment, you know, yeah. and <clears throat> they've possibly got to the point of saying, shit, you know, I've had enough of this. Thank you very much. This guy's got to go down. And, and you know, if, if what my theory is right here, Hunter's going to come out looking okay. Oh my God. He put you through all this. Yes, of course you had to, to turn him in. You know what I'm saying? Mm. That he's going to save his reputation as being, in the end, a good guy. You turned in the the monster, even though he was your father. Before the end of the show, I'd like to do the good news thing. Okay, do it now, then, because we've only got seven minutes. Okay. Um, I put the link in there that is a video of, of... Dolly? Dolly? Uh, you guys there? I'm here. Well, I'm here. Dolly suddenly went I quiet. I hear oh. Dolly? Oh, boy. Something happened to Dolly. Well, yeah, then. Yeah, she was breaking up. When she actually responded, so it was very broken up. Yeah. Is her picture still up in Skype? Let me look. Yep. Ah, she's got her mic is muted. Dolly, your mic is muted. Hello? Yes, yes, you muted your mic somehow. We haven't heard a word you said. Okay, so let me say it real fast. You can hear me, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, this is from the Good News Network. 
Watch the pandemonium as hockey fans break record hurling 75,000 teddy bears onto the ice for charity. A, a professional ice hockey team in Pennsylvania broke a franchise record last week for, for not for goals scored, but for the number of teddy bears tossed onto the ice by fans to help local kids. The plush pandemonium broke out in the second period as the Hershey Bears scored a goal to trigger the annual teddy bear toss that collects toys for charity, while the announcer screamed, Let the sweet cuddly mayhem commence! The exuberant downpour of plushies began four minutes into the second period at the Giant Center last week with 74,599 stuffed toys raining down on the ice. First, you're celebrating the goal and then you start getting pelted with bears, said new Hershey player Chase Prisky, experiencing the event for the first time. It's not just a phenomenal atmosphere when tens of thousands of bears start raining down on you. The event surpassed the club's previous record of 67,309 teddies collected last year for donation to more than 35 local charities as part of the club's Hershey Bears Cares program. Since its inception in 2001, the tradition has collected nearly a half million cuddly creatures for children in need. The Swigert Family Foundation also donated $55,000 to Children's Miracle Network in Hershey to recognize the efforts of local fans this year. Based in the town of Hershey, the Bears would go on to a 3-2 to two overtime victory over the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. After a 40-minute delay to cart off all the toys, improving their H AHL best record to 29-7 to seven this season. I just, I had to share that because it's so moving to me. I'm done. 45 minutes to clean it off. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot of teddy bears. When you watch the video, the floor is filled with teddy bears. <laughs> Huge ones that one of the hockey players tried. He couldn't even get his arms around the neck. <laughs> oh, it, I just had to share that. There's nothing like teddies, is there? <laughs> Well, it, re it reminds me of when the talk hockey team down here um, had one of their players in the locker room, or maybe it was out in the stadium, I don't know, but there was a, a rat that was running around and he killed it with his hockey puck, I mean his hockey stick. So the next time they went out, it, it got, you know, it was all over the papers here. It was, you know, and so the next time they went out, when they got a goal, people were throwing these rats, you know, uh, you know, not real rats, rubber rats, onto the floor. And that team actually went into the, I don't, it was the playoffs, I don't know, I don't remember, you know, which playoffs, or did they go all the way. But by the end of this, there were 
just like you're saying, you know, there was piles and piles of these ra these rats, these rubber rats on the floor every time they made a goal. But the weirdest thing about it was my friends, Don and Sandy next door, were really fanatic hockey fans. And you'd go over there to watch the game. And when the when they made the goal, they had rubber rats that they would throw into the floor of the living room. <laughs> oh my gosh that's funny <laughs> you know it was it was like an experience that you just had to go through you know i mean oh my god but uh we're at the end of the show here so dolly you want to say good night good night everybody thanks for like, coming and listening love yeah. you guys and walt good night everybody and don't forget love lunkers every day Yes. Goodbye. <laughs> and Jan? Good night, everybody. And thank you for being here. And uh, I look forward to being here again. Yes. Appreciate you all. Be safe. And we'll see you next time. Say what? Say what radio show? With no agenda. It's always a surprise, but if we're not having fun, we're doing something wrong. <laughs>